As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This past spring, Canada shocked the world by qualifying for the Men's World Cup for the first time since 1986. But since that moment, it hasn't been smooth sailing for coach John Herdman and his team. Josh Cloak is here to fill us in on what Canada needs out of this international window. From The Athletic, I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for the weekend of Friday, September 23rd. This fall's World Cup figures to be an historic and notable one for all sorts of reasons, but one of those reasons is the Canadian national team. As you might remember, the Canadians finished World Cup qualifying on top of CONCACAF. They boast big stars like Alfonso Davies, Kyle Lahren, and Jonathan David, and a bunch of other solid players. They have a charismatic coach, and they're heading to their first World Cup since 1986. Josh Quote covers the team for The Athletic and has been along for the ride all throughout qualifying. Josh just because I think I've started off every single one of your other appearances on this show with this question. Has it sunk in yet? <laughs> not really. And I, and, and what? And, and no, you're not on a really, plane not. to Doha in two months. I'd hope it's sunk in by now. Come on. Well, yeah, this is a little bit of, <laughs> of um, how the sausage is made or for the Canadian viewers out there. This is how the, the apple pies along the side of the 401 <laughs> near Coburg are made. Um, you know, you personally, like I'm trying to like, you know, get in-laws to come and make sure they're here in November so someone can help take care of, you know, my four-year-old son. And, right. you know, you're 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 juggling all these little things knowing that, you know, you're, like you said, you're going on a plane and then you do have to stop yourself throughout and say, I'm going for the men's national team, right? The, the men's national team that, you know, five years ago was legitimately considered a minnow like legitimately considered, what was it, like 120th in the world, you know, in FIFA rankings. Like, And I think that's something that will be a huge part of the narrative, um, you know, come November, because it, it, the, the women's national team, you know, gold medalists last year at the Olympics have become just part of the kind of Canadian sports vernacular, right? But I do think there is going to... I think there's a lot of work to be done, you know, throughout the media, throughout, um, you know, sponsors to kind of put this Canadian team really, really on the map, because I do think, 
You know, it's not like the United States or Mexico where they're expected to go. Um, and I think come November, a lot of people are going to go, oh, right, we're in this. And this is a huge deal. And this is arguably one of the biggest stories in Canadian sports history. Well, Canada faces a very tough group in the World Cup, including Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. They have two friendlies this international window. One of them is today on Friday against Qatar, and uh, the other one is next on Tuesday against Uruguay. I believe the Qatar one is in Austria, and the game against Uruguay is in Slovakia. Of course, I don't. <laughs> those locations are interesting. Uh, Josh, what are some questions that Canada needs to find answers to uh, this international window? Yeah, so to me, there's two things that that I think the national team are really going to be looking at. First, um, and probably you know not as important, but but still something to keep an eye on, is which of the bubble players that were invited to this camp will actually earn a place on the World Cup roster. Um, you know, I kind of go over it in my head and I, I make notes on it seemingly every single day. But I have 22 players on the team that are kind of locks for the World Cup squad varying levels of locks, but 22 guys that I think will be there. So that leaves four spots. That's really not a lot. So you're talking about a few bubble players, including some that have been invited to their first camp in a while, like Joel Waterman, who's having a terrific season in Montreal and is, is kind of the poster boy for the Canadian soccer pipeline in that, you know, he moved from the CPL. He was the first player to be sold from the CPL to MLS now he has a chance to go to the World Cup. He's a player that perhaps could work his way into the squad as a really strong ball-playing center back, so he's one to watch. Um, Luca Coliosho, who we have a great story. I hope it's a great uh, story at the Athletic it's a good story. You know, He's um, just turned 18, dual national with the United States. Um, it appears as if he has chosen Canada. Uh, he's made three appearances um, for Espanol and La Liga, which is incredible for any 18-year-old. And now we're talking about a Canadian who could end up being, you know, the future left winger for Canada. Um, what's interesting there is he has boatloads of talent, but the left side of Canada's attack is stacked with, you know, Alfonso Davies, perhaps Junior Hoylett, Liam, Liam Millar. Um, so those are two players as well. Um, that, that I think we're looking at as, as being right on the bubble. Liam Millar is another one I mentioned who's having an excellent season at Basel. You know, does he, what does he have to do to solidify himself? Because he always shows really, really good form for club, not necessarily always for country. Has he done enough? Um, so those are players that I'm wondering about what they're going to show. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and definitely more important, I think, is can this team rediscover the harmony, the synergy, the kind of tactical fluidity that made them so dangerous in qualifying because the June international window, you know, we, we learned a little bit about the team, but it was kind of a wash, right? They had the game canceled because of their strike um, game against Curacao, right? Not exactly a, right. a, a serious test. And then a loss against Honduras um, in really awful conditions, Right. So even then, that's a, you're looking at the game and saying, yeah, but how much can we really learn from that? This team is only going to be successful at the World Cup if they can be dynamic tactically, if they can show, if they can change on the fly and move, you know, from a 4-4-2 in defense to a 3-4-3 in possession, if they can show different looks against different teams. That's what made them so good in qualifying. And they didn't really get a chance to do that 
in June. So can this team kind of rediscover those connections on the pitch and then leave this camp, these this window on a high? Because what you don't want if you're John Herdman is to leave this window and say, right, I now have more questions than I did two weeks ago. And, you know, he's going to be on a plane to Doha very soon as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Are there any specific matchup type things you think they'll need to work on if they are going to get out of this group? I mean, Belgium is Belgium. They have a million great players. Croatia was in the final last time. Morocco is usually a very, very solid team. By no means an easy out. You know, what what sort of things do you think Canada will have to improve or work on if they're going to get some points and maybe make it to to the knockouts. Yeah, we read a story a few weeks ago about the kind of preparations, both tactical and, and off the pitch, that, that the men's national team are doing to prepare for their first World Cup. And, you know, a lot of that was based on a, a conversation that I had with John Herdman. And one thing he mentioned that is going to be of the utmost importance to this team is succeeding while playing in transition. Right, We can expect them to be a team, at least against Belgium and against uh, Croatia. They're not going to have the ball. right? <laughs> and, and most teams wouldn't. Yeah. So what are they going to do in this window to make sure that they're making the most of the opportunities that they do get on a counterattack in transition? Because that's the look that I think they're going to employ against those first two teams. It wouldn't surprise me if they try to have a little bit more of the ball against Morocco. So I'm kind of looking at the the game against Qatar and, and trying to say, like, is that the game where they're going to try and focus on having possession? And what are they going to do, right? Is Stefano Stacchio still going to be kind of that, that central point in that pivot role? Or do they look to do something else? Do they look to maybe bring in Ismail Kone, right? The 21-year-old who's having a terrific season in Montreal. And he's been really good. And, and look, he's probably about as close to a pure number 10 as Canada has. Are they going to look to kind of employ him a little bit more so that final pass can be played from, you know, a little bit higher up the pitch against Uruguay? You know, I don't, again, I, I like that matchup because I'm not expecting them to have the ball, but that's where we should see a little bit more of their transition games. So making sure that transition game is, is being executed at a, at a high level. If they have any hope, of getting a draw against Croatia, which completely changes the outlook of, of their, their World Cup path, and I think is probably a bit of a best-case scenario, then they're going to need to rely on that transition game. Last but certainly not least, Josh, uh, you mentioned their kind of disastrous June window. They had a game against Iran cancelled for, let's just say, governmental reasons, uh, and the game against, I believe it was Panama, called off because of uh, the Canadian Federation's uh, negotiations with uh, the Canadian players basically completely falling apart. It was a strike. 
Um, it was a strike. Played. I'm glad Colorado did this. It was a strike. Uh, they have played since then, of course. But what is the latest on that situation, the players' negotiations with the Federation? Where are we right now? Is this going to get resolved before the, before the World Cup? Um, what sort of needs to be discussed here? Yeah, I don't know. The, the question that sticks out there to me is, is, is this going to get resolved before the World Cup? It wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that this is going to be something that really looms over the team? Not necessarily. I've had a number of conversations over the last few weeks with national team players, and they all kind of say to a man, the World Cup is 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 bigger than you know negotiating. Yes, for the future of, of the men's national team, but this is an opportunity that most players know won't come around for them um, very often, if at all, again. So I don't think it's going to be something that you know really kind of – provides a fork in the road, I guess you could say, and, and really stops them from from competing and playing the way they want to. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't get resolved. The latest I've been told is that a kind of counter offer uh, was made by Canada Soccer today. Um, and I don't think the organization is intent on kind of negotiating through the media anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, e- it's easy to say that. But yeah, I... I, I think that getting legal representation, which they didn't have in June when they did strike, that's important, right? Sure. That kind of, that lends some credence to the notion that players aren't going to be distracted by this because there's going to be professional lawyers at the bargaining table as opposed to the players themselves. And there was a, a, a small handful of players that were literally doing the negotiating in June. And, you know, I think the players hearts were in the right place but uh, i wouldn't want to be at a negotiating table like you know this is where lawyers are important so that's kind of the latest i think that that's where we're at um i really don't think it's going to be a story come november um that they they could get it resolved but i i just think the players and the organization are just going to be so focused on making sure that the players have everything they need in in Qatar to succeed and, and the players have to just make sure that like, look, they're playing their best at their clubs leading into it to, to make sure they're on that plane to Qatar. So yeah, that's kind of the latest. Um, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how all of that plays out. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you plenty more as world cup prep continues and in Qatar itself until then, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. Before we go, let's do a TV guide for this weekend. I'm going to do this somewhat rapid fire. I'm going to pick three games per day that I think will be interesting to watch. There are so many games to choose from, a bunch of internationals, some really, really good women's league games. However, I am going to rule out Japan versus USA, honestly, because that will have likely already happened by the time you're listening to this. It starts early at 8.30 a.m., on Friday. Stay tuned to this feed and The Athletic at Large for more coverage from that game from Sam Stasekel, Paul Tenorio, and Jeff Reuter. Let's move on with the TV guys starting today, Friday at 12 p.m. Iran versus Uruguay. That'll be on Fox Deportes here in the United States. This is an interesting game because it's a good chance to scout what Iran looks like these days. It'll be their first game under Carlos Queiroz. He's returning to the coaching role that he held for so many years. Uh, for the 2014 and 2018 World Cup cycles. 
They are, of course, in a group with the United States, England, and Wales. Uruguay is going to be probably the best team that Iran has faced in some time, and they face a tough group of their own with Ghana, South Korea, and Portugal. Speaking of Ghana, at 2.30 p.m., they take on Brazil. It is also fun to watch Brazil play. That game will be on Fubo TV and be in Sports Connect in the United States. Last but certainly not least, on Friday, we talked about this game earlier on this show with Jack Pitt Brook, 2.45 p.m., Italy versus England in the UEFA Nations League. That will be on Fubo Sports Network. If you want to hear more of what Jack has to say about that game, just go back a little bit in this feed. You'll see a show titled England and know which one you should be listening to. Moving forward to Saturday, get started bright and early, 8.30 a.m., Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspur on CBS Sports Network. This is, of course, in the Women's Super League. 50,000 tickets have already been sold for this one. It was recently announced, so that should be an electric atmosphere. Some really, really great players on both teams, especially on Arsenal, who are traditionally absolutely stacked as a team. 2.45 p.m. Spain takes on Switzerland. That should be an interesting game in the UEFA Nations League. And last, 9 p.m. Mexico versus Peru. That will be on two-day NA and Univision in the United States. Felipe Cardenas talked all about Mexico's many, many issues with Hercules Gomez earlier this week on this very podcast feed. I recommend you go back and listen to Copa with Felipe Cardenas if you have not already. On Sunday, my three picks start with at 11 a.m., Chelsea FC versus Manchester City. That also is in the Women's Super League. These are traditionally two of the best teams in the division, so it should be a really, really fun and also a really, really important matchups in uh, the broader season. That'll be on Paramount Plus at 2.45 p.m. Netherlands versus Belgium. That'll be on Fubo Sports Network and VIX. This is in the UEFA Nations League. Belgium is going to have to win this game by three goals in order to advance to the Nations League finals. They can probably do it with all their attacking talent, so let's see if they can. Once again, that'll be at 2.45 p.m. And last, for the weekend, 4 p.m., Portland Thorns, Chicago Red Stars on Paramount+. Plus. The Thorns are trying to hold on to their spot atop the NWSL. At the time I'm recording this, they are just one point ahead of the pack. Chicago, meanwhile, is trying to hang on to their spot in the playoffs. They are just one point ahead of Angel City and two points ahead of OL Reign. This is the second to last match day of the NWSL season, so it should be a whole lot of fun. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic and listening in the app. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.